Hey everyone, Nils Kosterblasen here again, bringing you another value-packed episode of our Best of Top Traders series, sharing small segments from the best episodes we've recorded over the years. Now, today's segment was from another conversation with trend-following legend Bill Dreis, who explains how he defines risk, which I think you'll find very interesting and valuable. There were many other great parts of the conversation that you can listen to if you go to toptradersonplot.com forward slash 94. With this short intro, let's jump right into the conversation with Bill Dreis. Let's shift gear to a, a very important topic, namely uh, risk management. How do you define risk? I know that you uh, are not a big fan of uh, standard deviation. <laughs> so so uh, uh, how do you define risk in, in, in your own uh, methodology? Well, I think, uh, you know, again, from, from, my, uh, from my sort of philosophical position, I'm very suspicious of any kind of things like VAR or any kind of uh, the standard risk risk metrics. I just think that, you know, risk is out there and your and your worst drawdowns always in the future. And and I find I think if you look if you look back over time, you find again some pretty standard risk profiles. When you look at anybody who's been around for say 20 years or so or maybe even 10, almost every every one of those managers has had a a major drawdown by which I'd characterize as 50% or more and usually just one, right? You know, the people who've, who've survived in this business are people who've been able to, to weather those, uh, you know, weather drawdowns without, you know, making, yeah, losing their nerve. That's exactly it. And so that's where the risk comes in. The risk comes in, is your manager going to, going to lose it? Uh, that's, that's for the ultimate risk. And if you, if you believe that your guy's going to stay the course, then you should probably stay the course too. I'm going to quote uh, someone that you may be familiar with uh, and who wrote a few years ago. Uh, it's David Drews, and he wrote a few years ago that here's an amazing thing about robust systems. The more robust a system, the more volatile it tends to be. This is because robust systems are not optimized to particular markets or market conditions. The converse is also true. You can design systems with excellent returns and low volatility on historical testing, but which work only for a given period or given market. These systems tend to be curve fit and market fit and not robust. Um, now, this is completely uh, probably against what most people will feel that Robust systems are the ones that are more volatile, but but I, I, I sense from our conversation today that, that that's a conclusion you've come to as well. Yeah, well, I know David, and he's right, and I think this is a conclusion that most people who've been in the business for a while would would come to, and it's what I call. I mean, I mean this this is in contrast to uh, perhaps the dominant uh, quant paradigm, you know, which is you know picking up nickels in front of a steamroller. In other words, you can design systems like long-term capital or whatever that uh, can give you smooth returns for a while. But you're, what, the, what those systems are doing, in my, in my opinion, are, are what I call warehousing risk. So essentially, it's like, as you, and I think it's the same sort of thing that Dave is talking about. You, you can design a system that essentially accumulates risk in some, in, in some sense, and that when it finally breaks out, it, just, it happens in a big way. And, and uh, 
And this is, of course, what what happened in the lead up to the uh, financial crisis. Uh, you had all these people, you know, developing these securitizations and all these sorts of things. And it was just, they were just setting, you know, setting the system up for a major a major break. But in the short term, while, while that was going on, everybody was happy because everybody was making money and, and, uh, it, and, and the apparent risk was very low. That's what I, what I think a, you know, like a trend follower tends to do is I'm uh, essentially, how do you say this, taking risk on, on an ongoing basis, I'm realizing risk. We're, we're, I'm not warehousing it. I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing it and realizing it, and that's just part of the game. And I think any, you know, any sort of um, viable long-term investment has to do that, because otherwise, it's it's uh, it's a, a disaster waiting to happen. Sure. A lot of people say, you know, we, you hear entrepreneurs talk about it all the time that they they learned a lot from the adverse time in their career and, and so on and so forth. What about drawdowns? What have you learned from your drawdowns? Maybe have you learned anything from the the, 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 the big drawdown you had more recently um, that was different to to what you've seen before? No. Um, you know, you have, uh, there's two kinds of drawdowns. You said every, you know, certainly there's the garden variety drawdown, for yeah. tr which for me might be 20 to 30%. Sure. And that's just part of do doing business. They're not pleasant. But on the other hand, uh, and the problem is, is, is the, even the ordinary drawdowns are likely to cause uh, <laughs> anguish to, to your clients. Sure. But in terms of your system, these are pretty much, you know, just part of the game. Uh, when you get what I call a, a catastrophic drawdown, say something 50% or greater, one, I think those are pretty rare. As I say, I would say most, uh, you know, a trader might experience something like that once in once in 20 years or whatever. And and so, once again, it's just a matter of living through it when it happens. But in terms of my experience with that, uh, no, I don't know. I suffered, but, but I didn't change anything. And uh, as I say, the... The following year, I was up 85% or something. So uh, to me, the existence of drawdowns, large or small, at least in my experience, uh, have not had any particular bearing on, in other words, I don't use those as evidence that my system's not working, right? Or that something needs to be fixed. And, and the reason for that is, as I say, I have this, you know, I have this underlying faith, and I think faith is the only word for it, that markets will continue to exhibit persistence. That is, the trend following, you know, is sort of a universal or at least a, a, a persistent, <laughs> if that's the word, behavior of the markets. And as I say, that's, under, that's uh, supported by the fact that the markets are are subject to the fundamental economics that don't change. And there you have it. If you enjoyed this short insightful clip from a past episode of the show, then you will love the new free book that I'm giving away right now. It's called The Many Flavors of Trend Following and includes some of my best insights on this perhaps the most dependable and consistent yet often overlooked investment strategy. You can get a free copy at toptradersonplug.com forward slash book 
right now to start your own investment journey today. Just go to toptradersonplug.com forward slash book. And make sure to come back to the podcast or my YouTube channel next week for more exciting and engaging conversations.